G'day everyone, this is Tractor and welcome to the Gel Ball Podcast. We talk about Gel Sim, we talk about Mil Sim, Mil Soft, Gel Soft, Airsoft, Paintball, anything else you want to talk shit about really. Today we've got a couple of guests, our first guest is Daniel. G'day Daniel. Hey Travis, how are you mate? Good, and we've got John. How you going mate? Good. Good to see you again. So these are guys from Perth, so let's talk WA. So welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. No worries. So yeah. just uh, for the for the listeners out there that um, don't know WA and you guys, you want to give us a quick spiel on who you are and where you fit into the gel ball scene over there? Yeah, sure. I'll let John go first. All right, guys. I'm 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 John. Uh, I'm a member of uh, Perth GBG. I, I have been for the past two or three years. Yep. Um, I normally play gel ball every every weekend. Um, I run some of the mill sims. I've helped been involved in some of the mill sims. I'm a, I'm a former veteran, and um, yeah, I've, I've uh, uh, as I'm a veteran and, and I enjoy this as a sport. I'm very passionate about it. Cool. What about you, Dan? Um. Well, I'm Dan. Uh, I'm just a, a sweaty old dude that runs around with a toy gun on the weekends yep. um, and just happens to, to make a living out of it. So, But uh, all seriousness, uh, I'm Dan. I do uh, a lot of the background work in Perth GBG, so a lot of the uh, teching and builds um, as well as running your indoor and outdoor games uh, through Perth GBG. All right, so let's go back a little while. How did you guys each find your way to gel ball? What was the first experience you had with a gel blaster? Go, John. Well, I'll go. Yep, go, John. All right, then. Um, for me, it was it was funny because I was browsing um, some YouTube videos mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I came across Not a, a video toys by... Video, I no, no, no. It was Gun Sheep, who, who is yep. now everyone's claimed as my adopted son. Mm-hmm. And from that, I, I found Perth GBG, and that's how I got involved. And, and from there, it became a, a, a pleasure to play with everyone. Mm-hmm. I met some great people and things like that. What was your first blaster? Uh, Gen 8 M4. I don't even think I ended up firing it. <laughs> I ended up going getting a custom build one straight afterwards. I think I must have spent about fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars on a custom <laughs> one after that. Yeah, called the Wrath. Yeah. So um, yeah, it brought the pain. What about you, Dan? How did you fall into the industry? Um, yeah, it was kind of strange. So kind of at the the tail end of of twenty eighteen, um, I went on holiday throughout Europe. Um, I ended up playing airsoft uh, in the UK um, and in Austria whilst I was there. Um, I'd played previously when I was a bit younger, um, but I'd come home from the holiday and just kind of looking over some of my GoPro footage, um, you know, and whatnot, and stumbled across uh, a couple of random YouTube videos from the legendary Trent Gunsheep. Yep. Um, you know, of, of guys running around with gel blasters. Um, you know, here in WA. So that was kind of my introduction, I guess. Um, and then from there, I just went uh, went headfirst into it. Yeah. What was your first blaster? 
Ah, I was the old faithful Gen 8. The Gen that, 8. Was, that was my first one. So straight out of the box, no hop-up, no nothing. Just yep. uh, one mag, a battery, um, and a Ziploc bag full of gels in my pocket. <laughs> I think I, I think I gave mine away to BC02. Yeah. James, that was his first blaster as well, was my hand-me-down. Yeah. So what is it, uh, like I know what attracted me to the industry, and I've been in it probably longer than a few others, but what was it about gel blasters that made you want to be involved in them in the first place? Uh, like is it a gun nut thing? Is it a community thing? What is it that draws you to the community? I, I, for me, it was the community thing. It was one, once you sort of leave the military, you sort of lose your, and you'll know this, Trav, you lose yeah. your sense of identity. Right? Yeah. And for me, that was a, a big thing when I got out. And um, But as soon as I got back there, well, mate, it was you met friends for life. It, it's like you never left. Yep. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I met other veterans that were there I, I could talk to. They'd been through similar experiences. And it was like I'd never left, you, you know, you, you found yourself again. Yep. So um, it opened new doors and, and things like that. For me especially, it was very helpful. Yeah. We certainly find that a lot of veterans are able to reconnect to their children through gel ball. Do you see that over there? Yeah, heaps, mate. I, I, I see guys, um, you know, that have been, let's say, badly broken, yep. um, rather through injury or um, – post-traumatic stress disorder and, they, and it's something they're able to do with the, the kids you know the kids want to know what dad used to do they, even my kids come uh, come along and played i remember um my son's first game was at a at a mill sim and i completely lost him on the field about dad yep. um as a stepson and um next thing you know i just put a call out the radio and he was off ambushing a, a forward operating base with a, a load of guys I'd never met before. They took him under his wing. Yeah. So and and those people ended up becoming my teammates um, yep. later on down the track when I created a team. So um, yeah, it's 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 huge for us. We we've even got guys that will not wear their medals or go to an Anzac parade, but will talk about their veteran days with people they've barely met before at a gel blasting event they can't talk to other veterans or stand in a public light. Do you, do you see anything like that? Yeah. The, uh, so with, with me, I, I end up getting the nickname Granddad, right, because and Dan knows this. I'm the old man that gives the young blokes a run for the money. It mm. would, would be correct. Work smarter, not harder, and, eh? Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. But I still get, <laughs> I, I, you know, the young young fellas still give us a run for the money. And, and um, but yeah, as I say, it, it's – it's been good for the, you know, for the, for the old, older generation. And I've got a lot of young guys that play as well who are, who are veterans, you know, from yeah. Iraq, Afghanistan and things like that. And, and they're finding it, it, it's, it's easier to talk with us old blokes about what they've done and things because we've got an understanding of what they've gone through. Mm. It's, um, it's a bit like healing through art in some other ways. That you find a common bond that you can, you can talk about. Oh, that's it. And, you know, it's, it's easier to, um, to talk to like, – I, I find it the same. You, you try to talk to someone who's never been in the military, it's very hard for them to understand. Yeah. But with the guy, the gel balling community, they've all got the similar interests. They all want to know about it. So, mm. it, And plus, you know, it helps get it off your chest and things like that. And no one judges you for what you've done or anything like that. So um, it's been great. And I find it's also great for other, other guys that have been through similar things. They can talk about and share their experiences with each other. 
Yeah, and we see a fantastic respect for the veterans in the gel biosa community. They might have a leg missing or have severe PTSD, but they're absolutely accommodated by the community. Is that the same there? Yeah, it's absolutely the thing. It doesn't matter how old, broken, you know, you are. You can be have physical injuries. Mate, the community. I, I, I remember uh, one major uh, Milsim we were playing. I, I had a major Crohn's attack because I suffer from Crohn's disease. Um, but the, the guys that were around me, I didn't know from a bar of soap. I went down like big time. Yep. And these guys helped me off the field. Um, they helped pack up all my gear. They made sure I, I got home. Um, and, and, of course, this was my first meal sim, and it has to ha- it ends up happening then, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, the next day, they actually rang me to make sure I was all right. Oh, you know, awesome. and, and this, is, this is a community, you know. It's like family to me. Yeah, it, it's, it's like I've been in footy clubs and stuff like that, and I've never found outside the military any community like this. Oh, that's yeah. It, it, like Dan's like an adopted son to me, aren't you, Dan? And yeah, um, it. and it, it it's been great, you know. Um, I, I absolutely, I absolutely, you know, I, I couldn't wait to see these guys on on the weekend. And, and when we had big games, it was funny. You'd have all the different teams play against each other, you know. And there was there was no, you know, let, let's just say the bit of you know rivalry, but bit of banter, old and things yeah. like that, you know, good yeah. banter. Um, but they all worked together. It was awesome to see. Yep. We, we had 130 people at a Milsim last weekend, and after every contact, oh. the teams would pull their dead rags, walk over and shake each other's hand. Look, yeah, that's do, awesome. Do you see that anywhere else? That sort of, we're not playing for nah. sheep stations, we're just here for fun? No, nah, you, you don't. Like, um, you know, I, I came from a competitive sports background, so I played a lot of soccer. Um, yep. You know, in my day, I did a lot of trials throughout Europe and, and played throughout Europe and stuff like that. Um, you know, and it's a cutthroat sport. Everybody's out for themselves. It's never, never, uh, you know, even though it's a team sport, it, everybody's playing for themselves and their own future and their own career. You know, yep. it's not the same. Obviously, it's a little bit different, um, you know, coming down to just a Sunday game that, um, you know, doesn't really mean anything. But, um you know, people are competitive in nature no matter what. And I've never seen anything like this before where you can run around and shoot at each other for 10 minutes and get really involved and, you know, um, have a teammate right next to you that you, you've never seen before. But because you've both got the same coloured band on, you're like brothers and you work together to, yep. to achieve a common goal. And the trust that you put in those around you is very much like the military. It's not like a footy game where... You hope the guy next to you is going to stop that tackle. It's um, mm. it's a bit more. We get a lot of um, people with disabilities. We get guys with um, ASD, ADHD, and we find that they can socialise in a way they've never done before. Yeah, it's um, something like that we see all the time. So um, Judd is one of our our most involved guys. He runs uh, all our website, all our, our digital communications for Perth GBG. Um, and his son um, has severe autism mm-hmm. or Asperger's, I think actually might be the, the correct term. Um, you know, and Drew, we love to bits. But, um, you know, as soon as he comes to a gel ball game, you know, he's running around, high-fiving people, saying hello, just pure excitement. 
um, you know, and you see him in any other social setting. And uh, he's just, just uh, no struggles contact, to no commit. We, we actually have yeah. disability support workers that bring clients to gel ball games specifically to get that social interaction and, and a normal experience for them. And the look on those support workers' faces when that child or even adult is eyeballing the referee, direct eye contact and nodding as they're saying stuff, they, they just can't yeah. fathom how that person can do that at gel ball because it's something they've never done for their whole lives. Yeah, especially with like with young 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 Sergeant Drew, we call him. He comes he comes on onto the field, and um, you know a, a, a lot of the senior players that have been around for a long time, they'll they'll let him come up and shoot us and things like that. Yeah, and I know it was particularly close to um, my heart seeing Judd and and his young fella because I was in a big family court battle over here in WA, and I decided to do something special for. Uh, for Judd and I, I asked all the teams in Perth um, to donate patches. Then I made a few phone calls to a few um, ex-army mates um, who were still serving and next thing you know I had a whole brigade sending patches for young young Stewie, uh, sorry Drew I should say. And um, we got a, we even got donated a, a big um, AMCU Australian flag, and we present, and it, it still brings a tear to my eye, especially with Juddy as well. And we presented that to young um, Drew for his bedroom. Yeah, and yeah, he'd speak to about uh, speak about you know community involvement. You know, I, I think it, it's still every time I mention it, it still brings Juddy to tears. Mm. And but that was one of the best things that I've ever happened in Jobal. What about the adolescents over there? Are you finding you're able to get kids off the couch and do something that they normally wouldn't do in terms of physical activity and socialising? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this is, you know, obviously I'm a bit of a young bloke uh, in compared to, to gel ball granddad <laughs> down there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the sweet age of 26, but, um, you know, I grew up in, in the perfect storm of video games and the internet, you know, which yep. completely, in my opinion, anyway, take it out, you, you, you're a, you feel it, but I think it ruins the generations coming next. Yeah. Um, sends them in a right tailspin. But, um, you know, this was kind of the one redeeming factor about that. You know, all the, all the games, first-person shooters, Call of Duty, Battlefield, whatever took your fancy – Kids are glued to these screens, you know. You can't can't take them away from it. Mm. Where a sport like this, you know, where didn't matter, you know, mother, father, uncle, you know, um, auntie, you know, you could take them out, and it was a video game brought to life. Yeah, you know, there was exercise um, that people didn't even know they were doing. They're just enjoying themselves so much and so immersed uh, in the situation and their surroundings. Um, you know. I, We've uh, we had players um, that had lost, you know, 20, 30 kilos just playing gel ball. We've got a guy that's lost seventy kilos just playing gel ball. Nothing else hasn't changed anything else in his life. Yeah, it's, that, that, that's it's an ridiculous. awesome effort. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so um, you know, and it, yeah, it's just people that are, are very socially awkward and stuff like that, and you know. Gyms are a pretty harsh place, you know. People judge you all the time, and etc. So if you're 
if you're a bit self-conscious, um, you know, obviously having having particular uh, social settings like that are not going to be beneficial to you and your health. So being yeah. able to partake in a sport uh, where where no one judges you, everybody is on a, a level, even playing field, and you're all all mates um, is a great benefit to to people like that. You know, the especially other, kids as well. The other thing I like, and I'm a big boy, but I don't realise I've exercised until the end of the day. And then you go, holy shit, I've done 16 kilometres. And you just go, well, that's the way to exercise without having to go, oh, I've got to go to the gym and blah, blah, blah. And that's a big turnoff for a lot of people. At the end of a gel ball game, you go, shit, I'm going to have trouble walking tomorrow. But you've got a massive yeah. smile on your face. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm like that. I'm, I'm absolutely knackered. If I've, if I've played hard, and uh, go all out. I feel it the day, the day yep. later. Or if we're playing in Milsim, yeah, yeah, probably about the next two days. I'm, I'm feeling it. Even the guys <laughs> refing are doing so much walking around in circles. Yeah, that's it. Like, um, you know, the last Milsim, I did 32 kilometers in one day. Yep. So, which is ridiculous. You'd never ever manage to get me to to do 32 k's mm. in one day, but I did it. Didn't even know I was doing it. Um, but you know, I ref and play at the same time, uh, on our weekend games, um, and stuff like that. But yeah, you're, you're constantly walking backwards and forwards and checking in on people and making sure everybody's kind of having a good time if anybody has any issues. So, you know, you're, you're constantly moving, you're constantly standing up, you're, you know, standing up, squatting down, you know, leaning in all sorts of working muscles that you didn't even know you had. Do you guys find you get a lot of crazy gun nuts and preppers and all those weird out there people playing with you? Because we certainly don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Like, obviously, there's bands come in now, um, yep. so we're not allowed gel blasters. I just went out and bought two guns. Yep. Uh, don't tell the missus. Um But, yeah, there, there's plenty of guys out there that enjoy their, their hunting, their fishing, you know, um, some guys are, are massive video game enthusiasts um, that like doing their cosplay or whatever. And yep. you have other people that just do it for the camaraderie. You know, you've get, there's such a, a mismatch and splattering of, of different, different people. Um, mm. I've never seen anything like it before. Yeah. I, I've, I came from cosplay. That's how I got into gel ball in the two thousands um, before it was even a thing. And mm. all the, the cosplayers oh. are the weird geeky nerds that are now some of the leaders in the industry, they're the most popular people, were the people that were marginalised by society 10 years ago. Yeah, see, I was the other way. I was a pistol shooter. Mm. Um, I used to do, every time I was home, on average, the boys used to call it yippee shoots because I used to do yeah. a 1,000 rounds every shoot with 9 millimetres. And, um, yeah, so gel ball for me was, an, was another – I, th I think it's great for the kids to get involved. Yep. And things like that. It's just you, say that you, you don't real a lot of the people you don't realise you're exercising. I think you're so engrossed into it, having fun, you forget that it's your body thinks it's exercise. Mm. So, what do you think the the WA government's move is going to take from the community? Uh, look, it's gonna it's gonna be a lot a lot of pushing, a lot of prodding, a lot of poking um, to to make waves. At the moment, it seems that, uh, that you know, Miss Papalia and our, our uh, Minister of Police um, 
have taken a firm stance, very arrogant stance. They don't want to listen to us. So, yeah. um, you know, we're going to, we're going to have to keep, keep pushing and it's going to be a bit of a hard slog. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're not going to give it up. That's for sure. So. I, we do, because I'm involved in Wounded Heroes, I spend a lot of time with them. Um, all of the the calls that we get from people in WA are talking about that minister and how yeah. arrogant and inconsiderate because he double portfolios as the Vet Affairs Minister. Yeah, that's right. And that's what I, I was sad to see when, you know, especially when the comment got made, I can't see how this benefits anyone with mental health. Yeah. You know? Coming from that that stance, maybe you should have come down and had to talk to a lot of people who were, you know, veterans or frontline workers, who, you know, were doctors and nurses and things like that. What, the benefits what, it gave them. Was there any community consultation from the government to you guys specifically? Not to not to us specifically. So they met with a airsoft association representative. Um, yeah which we kind of, we, we've never been affiliated with them um, in any aspect. Um, but yeah, they, they met with them. Um, obviously I wasn't uh, privileged to, to what information was discussed. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, no communication um, from the, well, one of the only, I think the only registered gel balling business in Western Australia. Mm. I, I think the, the timeline for me seemed, ridiculously short considering that wa has so many fifo workers that could be on three weeks on one week off or even longer we should have had some ability for those people that work away to get back and then react to this because technically those guys are now breaking the law yeah yeah i, I, I was in that vote um i was a uh, i was away when it all when it all went down um, it's only just because of the lockdown I'm here in, in, in Perth, but I would have been one of those people breaking breaking the law. You know, mm. if, if I hadn't had the support of the community that actually came around my house, spoke to my wife and realised what was going to happen and they grabbed all my blasters and everything so Dan could get them all ready for the container and, of course, shipped to Queensland. Yep. Do, you, do you want to talk about that a bit, Dan? I didn't want to necessarily bring that up but feel free um, to. yeah it, well it's been posted all of us all over our social media and stuff like that so it's it's no secret so um yep. obviously um for the people that didn't know um we had organized with yourself travis um to get a 20-foot container uh stored uh, so graciously on your on your property um, for all those WA people that had invested so much time and money into their into their own um, you know gear and setup and stuff like that just to to hand it to the police willy nilly so mm. just trying to give uh, give the community another another option really so um, you know people are scared especially with how arrogant and how how straightforward and decisive um, Miss Papalia was. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it, it it scared a lot of people off from doing the right thing. So giving them another option to yep. to make sure that they're not going to be made an example of was was uh, a really really great thing. Yeah, seeing seeing that press conference really pressed home to me that people in WA wouldn't have a chance to recoup the funds that they'd spent on it and dispose of their blaster in a lawful way and get recompensed. 
And that was the thing that, that really upset me is that the government didn't give you guys an option to go, all right, you can sell them to Queensland. You've got three weeks to do that as well. There was no discussion about that. It's mm. hand up and thing in. Yeah, that's it. So it's it's been a real, real shitstorm um, as far as that's concerned. There was very little clarification um, on obviously this amnesty period, et cetera. Um, there was just no written clarification for any of it really apart from the, the transcript from that press conference. So mm. up until the 3rd of this month now, um, it is still legal to sell gel blasters within the community, uh, although after the 3rd it is illegal to possess a gel blaster. Mm. So, um, you know, if we, if we had 147 cases um, or so-called cases involving gel blasters in the last year. Um, now you've taken them out of law-abiding citizens' hands that were, were playing with the, you know, in a club with the community. Mm. Um, now you're selling them to Joe Bloggs that's never played before, obviously doesn't care about the new laws and legislation that's being introduced because now he's buying your $600 gel blaster that you bought 12 months ago for 200 bucks. Yep. You know, he's and the, he's he's the kind of person, that. yeah, he's the kind of person that's going to get caught at a petrol station, uh, shooting him, you know, at a petrol station or playing in a park or public grounds or whatever. They're, they're not um, going to have that, that framework where the club teaches you right from wrong with a gel blaster and says, yeah. put the thing in a frigging bag, do this, do that. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Like, yeah. Dan's 100% right. It's pushed it out now to the people that you didn't want, want to have them. Because everyone's in a massive rush to recoup some sort of financial um, benefit back from it, because they, they would invest. Every, all of us invested heavily, um, but now, as you say, you, you're selling to any Tom, Dick, and Harry now that that, that that's going to buy them, and th- these people are probably going to be the people that you don't want in mm. the public misusing them, and now you've just created more havoc for for the police and everything. Yeah, yeah, but uh, the as- government won't. Uh- they won't take responsibility for any of that, will they? As, as somebody who sells Yaga Blasters, and I did used to sell them into WA, there is no way I would have sold the last couple of weeks worth of gel blasters to WA if I knew this was coming. I wouldn't have put my clients in that position. But at no stage, as an importer and manufacturer here in Australia of gel blaster parts, I had no way to know up until that... Literally, I dispatched blasters to WA the morning of that press conference and then I'm scrambling to get them sent back to me and talk to those clients, hundreds of people going, um, sorry, just found out they're illegal, they're already on their way to you, can you just send it back? And that's all on me. Yeah, luckily, um, all the communication from people here in WA to, to Eastern State suppliers has been really, really helpful as far as, you know, getting gel blasters either stopped in transit or returned. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I couldn't tell you the countless amounts of emails and text messages and phone calls I've had with people that say, look, I just ordered this thing. It arrived the other day, you know, and now they're illegal. What do I do with it? You know, I haven't even been able to play a game with it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, they're, they're obviously they're going to try and recoup some money somehow, either sell, uh, sending it back um, to Queensland yep. or trying to sell it here. Yeah, and, and that's fraught with danger trying to sell it in WA, trying to stay legal while you're doing that would be a nightmare. 
Yeah. And there was no, there's no option to go, all right, take it to a firearms dealer and ask them to put it in storage until we can work a path through this. There's no, all right, this is a two-year plan and the next thing we're going to do is work on what we do next. It just seems like a closed door to me. Yeah, there was no mm. no no consultation. As I say, Trav, you're a manufacturer, um, supplier of parts and things like that, and you know you're an Australian-based industry. Yeah. And um, there was no consultation with like, on, on your subject matter, uh, what I call a SME subject yep. matter expert on. Well, how do you think that we could control this? You know, I, I know your blasters come with serial numbers. I, you know, Absolutely. my Colt six five three was one of the best ones I've got. Yeah, and you know, I would have used that as an example to say, here you go. Here's an Australian manufacturer. They do come with serial numbers, so that blew that mist straight out of the thing. But not even consult. You know, I was just reading today. It's over a two hundred million dollar industry in Queensland. More. You know, yeah, um, yeah. and WA they could have done that also, but they haven't. They've just shut shop. So as I say, and now it's cost legitimate businesses. Yourself, um, like Dan and 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 Nat. Who ran Perth GBG? Uh, 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 you're suffering, uh, well, are suffering huge losses now. Yeah, and and to say in a really arrogant way, go and get a job in the mines. All the people that I employ in my business, bar one, are veterans with some sort of medical condition that prevents them working anywhere else. Yeah. They've got a job uh, by the grace of the job ball industry. And and the funny thing is, Trav, I've, I'm well known in the resource industry, right? Yes. I've been in, ever since I left as a safety professional. I've run a lot of big jobs um, in Western Australia. And with that attitude, I wouldn't even give him a job. No. And he can he can hear this on 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 now. But that attitude, go get a job in the mines. It's not as easy as what he thinks it is. Yeah. Um. That that's for sure. The the language that that guy used about gel blasters in general was so condescending um i i know several veterans that ended up with hospital admissions based on that interaction he triggered their pdsd to a point where they were in emergency and this is the guy that's yeah, supposed to be that, the veteran affairs minister that's right the the there so many things you know the body language the tonality he used and things like that just came out, boom, no consultation. And basically, it, it's like a redheaded stepchild, you could say. It was a, no con, it was a dictatorship, do then, as I say, not as I do. That, that was basically, basically it. This guy claims to be an officer from the special operations community. Everyone I know in the special ops community, and I know a lot of those guys from stuff I did in the past, I was never one of them, tried to be, failed at it. But a lot of those guys, if you acted like that around them, they would fucking shoot you in the back on operations. Oh, tell me about a, a lot of the um, SF boys have, have worked with me in industry. Yep. You know, um, that's that's for, that's for sure. And I've had some high-ranking boys, you know, from the SF community working with me. Yeah. And yeah, as you say, that was I've never seen before. Oh. I've never seen that from from any of those guys that I've met. No, and. and- and I'm openly putting a call out to the SF community, you need to have a word to this guy. If he was actually a clearance diver and all the things that he claimed to be working at the regiment, then the regiment needs to pull him in line and say, hey, have a think about what you've just done to the veteran community. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I don't think he was – I think yeah, I think he was part of a clearance diving team. I don't think he was 
a member of the actual um, regiment itself. Well, there, um, but, there, there's claims in the media that he, after being in the clearance diving team, he was posted yeah. to the regiment. Oh, that's the first I've heard of that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know what I can say. Unfortunately, the media has uh, been a, a tad uh, unreliable at the moment um, with actually transferring facts from fiction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, if uh, if he if he says who he he uh, or if he is who he says he is, um, I think that you know there's going to be some very powerful people jumping down his throat. Yeah. Uh, in a hot minute. And and personally, um, he's cost probably a hundred thousand dollars to the veteran community in what could have happened in Western Australia and now won't. Um, if we could replicate what we do here at Milsim East in WA, we're talking $100,000 a year in veteran funding, direct cash from a person to a veteran in crisis. And, that, and that's what we need. And you, you know there's that many uh, uh, veteran organisations that have popped up now because of what's happened. You know, defence aren't looking after their own when they get out and things like that. Uh, so... Uh, wounded heroes, um, soldier on, and you you know you see all these other uh, associations popping up now. Yeah. This is stuff that benefits the community. It's it's people like you and I getting off our own backs and doing this to help our, our warrior brothers. Yeah, we had nine calls in the in the business hours yesterday from veterans that were in a, a crisis point where they literally didn't have somewhere to sleep that night, and they had no money to buy their next meal. Some of them included family men who had sold all their kids' stuff to put food on the table, and they're at the they're at absolute crisis point, trying to get food on the table for their children. They've hocked their medals for God's sake, and they're calling yeah. us, going, "Oh, can we get a few bucks to get a meal together in a hotel room, just so the kids don't have to sleep in the car tonight?" Yeah, that's so sad. That should that sort of stuff should have never happened to to the you know serving members um i think it's an absolutely disgrace um and what they've done you know we, we signed our lives away with a blank check yep. you know for this country and i was the same thing when when i got out in 2005 um no retraining no nothing and then i got stitched up and it was lucky for me another veteran who'd got out in the early 80s could see the way i was heading off the rails as a young fella and he determined, he said, I'm not going to let what's happened to uh, happen to him happen to me. Mm. So next thing you know, he'd organised uh, a job for me. I started as an underground miner, and I was lucky enough that I met a few other old-timers there that were ex-army and took me under their wing. That was the best thing they've ever done. So even in my time as, you know, being a safety manager on, on big projects and things like that, you know, I've brought people in from the veteran community on, on all levels, you know. Um, I've had them as safety guys. I've had them as operators, riggers, crane drivers and things like that, you know. It gives them a sense of pride on, on who they are. You know, don't be ashamed of what happened, you know, the way you got treated. That's a military, you know, but we're a brotherhood. We'll look after you. Yep. So what is it that us guys over east and anyone else, anywhere in Australia, New Zealand or the rest of the world, what can we do to support you in WA? Um, at the moment, just uh, we've got a GoFundMe going. 
uh, Facebook donations and stuff like that to start paying for legal fees. Um, yep. Also, you know, that that uh, shows that, you know, how committed we are to, to really pushing for the sport. You know, there's, uh, there's a couple of big names over in the eastern states that kind of are teetering on the teetering on the edge of jumping in for the legal battle. Um, but, you know, they kind of want proof that uh, they're not going to foot the whole bill kind of deal. So, yep. um, you know, if you're if you're fighting for the community and obviously the people in the community, even if it's, you know, a couple bucks here or there, you know, yep. um, you know, I've donated my beer money uh, for a couple couple months uh, in there, you know, just to, just to show our support. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, we can we can show people that we're we're dedicated and, and ready to push and fight for it. Is there any way that um, guys over east can go to their local retailer and say, "Hey, what are you doing to help WA, or can you help WA on our behalf?" Um, yeah, absolutely. So obviously, um, you've got your your retailers. So uh, on the Ausgel podcast uh, last week, I think. Um, you know, we had some, some very influential people on there that are looking to step in, um, but they need to know that they're going to have that support. So if you go in, see your local retailers um, and just let them know that you, you want to support the cause over in WA, um, you know, and really, really hammer it home to them that, uh, you know, WA is important. So yep. the more states that are playing, um, you know, the more secure the, uh, the sport uh, is across Australia. Yeah, call, call me paranoid, but we're down to two states now. The federal government mm. will get to a point where they go, you know what, it's only two states. We can we can ban this nationwide if we want to. So another state that falls is a massive, massive issue to me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You, you, you look at England has the toughest, some of the toughest gun laws in the world, but they still play airsoft. Yep. New Zealand, they, they had that. Um, and it's sad to say they had that massacre mm. um, not so long ago, but they didn't ban airsoft. Yeah, they banned real that's guns. It. That's that's yeah. right. So, yep. totally so, and, and, and this is where you know I think all the states we all need to get together now because we don't want it happening in, in in Queensland. We don't want the other states to fall uh, because this has a lot of benefits for the community. Um, employment opportunities, um, tourism, uh, yeah. and things like that. Uh, manufacturing, uh, the benefits with that. You know, creating more more jobs um, for for local importers, exporters, yep. and things like that. So, uh, so I think everyone needs to jump on board now because the last thing we want is another state falls, and then next year, you know, it'll just be as you say on a federal level, we'll just ban it across Australia wide. Yeah, there's yeah. a there's a famous poem from World War Two. About I didn't stop for this and I didn't stop for this and then they came for me. I don't want to to quote it directly because it's quite emotional. But if we stand by and let this happen as people from outside WA, then when they come for us, we've got no no legs to stand on. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's uh, united we stand, divided we fall. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a big trade union guy, but in that regard, totally agree with you. Hmm. That's it. I think uh, any, and you know, call me, call me a skepticist or etc. But um, you know, the government's always going to take a standpoint that they don't want their civilian population training on actual firearms or even simulation firearms that are, are military alike. 
Um, they just don't want it. And it, it's uh, funny. I we, think that's probably the root cause of, of most of this. We, we had discussions with QPS about that multiple years ago because they yeah. saw the word Milsim and they saw that I was doing tactical training and people yeah. freaked out. My bank said, yeah. you're training terrorists, we're going to shut you down, blah, blah, blah. And it was a quick, yeah. come out and look at what I do and have a talk to me. And the, the veterans in the community were like, there are certain things we'll teach people and there's certain things that we won't fucking teach them because we'll teach them what's relevant to using the blaster in a gel ball scenario and not what's yeah. useful in a real scenario because the two things are so different. Mm. That's yeah, right. That's Combat and Milsim, two different things put together. Yeah, you, you, can, you couldn't operate a section in a combat zone the way you operate in a Milsim. It just would not work at all. Uh, that's, it'd just be cat and fodder. And, and imagine an infantry soldier carrying a couple of thousand rounds, a 200-round yeah. magazine. <laughs> like, that's yeah. insane. It's not, yeah. even, not yeah. even close. There's no recall. There's no... no. It just frustrates me. And it's all up to inter- interpretation of the single word, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. When, when, when you when you say you're running a mill sim, or, or what's that? Um, you know, are you, are you teaching people how to, you know, kill each other and things like that? No, no. not teaching that. We're, we're teaching communication, leadership, yep. um, teamwork, courage. You know, initiative. Mm. Um, all, all those sorts of things. It's got nothing to do with battlefield conflict. No. Yeah, it's um, that's actually referring back to the whole press conference where, you know, um, Papalia said, we live in a, a post-9-11 world. You know, he's kind of referring to it as it, it almost happened yesterday. You know what I mean? It's we should all still be scared that the terrorists are going to come and get us. Um, On September you know, 11, I was a corporal in the duty room when that happened and the world changed. Yeah. That was 20 years ago. Yeah, that was, yeah, I was and, watching and Die even, Hard and I... <laughs> yeah, even back then, we were told, be alert, not alarmed. And, and right. I think those words should ring true right now, is that we can't freak out about what might happen. We need to be real. Yeah, we can't constantly live in a world of fear. No. No. If there is a, a credible terrorist threat, I love the police doing that stuff. I love um, Tag East and Tag West taking on terrorists. Domestic terrorists don't walk around with gel blasters. No. No. They just don't. No, that's that's right. What would you want a gel blaster for when you mm. you, you and and trying to get the real things hard enough? Well, ironically, what they've found in South Australia, um, from the guys I talk to down there, is all these people have gone and got firearms licenses and they've gone, you know what, I've got a firearms license now. I'm gonna get a real firearm too. So their actual firearms yeah. in the community has increased exponentially. Yeah, big time. Even Dan and I say that now. Yeah. Everyone now is going to go to real steel. Yeah. Um, and things like that. And it's gonna you're gonna have more firearms in the community. I've I've been a, a victim of a firearm robbery. Uh, my handguns um, were sold on the black market from what I understand, for $10,000 each. I had five of them. And, um, yeah, so as I say, now this is going to be more targets for, for criminals once they start finding out who's got real steel mm. and, and things like that. And it's made it a lot more dangerous now because you had people that were 
doing gel balling now, um, are now go, going to start joining all these gun gun clubs, and you know they got to take the training to the next level. Yeah, because um, mm. using real firearms now, it's not. Oh, I'm shooting an orbi at someone. Or you know, if I do the wrong thing and I turn and I pull the trigger, I've now just put a round into the bloke next to me. Yep. What about um, like? Do you guys think there is any way you could twist this and go? Yeah, it's improved community safety. No, nah, not really. I think I'd you know I'd be pissing in my own pocket uh, for lack of a better term. Really, if I was doing that, um, yeah. Look, I. I think it's gone completely the opposite direction. You've created uh, an overnight fear-driven market um, that is just putting gel biases into into the wrong people's hands. So you um, anecdotally, you'd say that it's driven a lot underground because there's no way to trace them. No, not, not, not easy. And, you know, they you could see see how um, how misinformed they were. Uh, in their in their press releases and stuff like that, they just didn't have a clue. Um, you know, that we estimate you know there's a hundred thousand you know a hundred thousand blasters floating around in WA, and that's probably being pretty conservative. You know, nobody has just one blaster; no. it's one, and then two, then three, and then you end up at about seven. Yeah, you know, it's it's um, it's ridiculous. So, you know, our community that that uh, you know that came and played with us. Um, you know, at Perth GBG, that's, you know, 3,000, 4,000 people strong. Yep. You know, if they got five blasters each, you know, that's only the people we know about. Yep. I, I, I don't so, know many people that have spent less than three to $5,000 on where they're at now in their job or career. And no, if you've got 3,000 times 3,000, that's, that's a lot of people and a lot of money. Oh, that's yeah. right. It's massive, massive. And, and, you know, they've spent it all on not just blasters, but, all the all the gear that goes with it too, you know. Yeah, and um, traveling to unfor- events and holidays and all the yeah, that, getting that, fuel that, along the way, all that sympathetic expenditure. Yeah, that's it. As I say, you know, uh, you you can't tell me one bloke's just got one loadout. I've probably got about ten different ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it depends which day of the week it is. What I wear, yeah. Um, but yeah, as I say, and 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 you know, these guys they've lost out big time. Let, let's talk a bit about that Colt 653 as a bit of a case study, John. So that blaster, if we compare that to what the minister said in his press release, how does the blaster that you had in your hands that day, how does that compare to what he said about blasters? Mate, you blow all the mists straight out of the water. One, doesn't have a serial number on it. Yours are engraved with serial numbers on it. Two, they can fire a real firearm. If I was to put a round through, if I was to put a round in that, well, I may as well just go and get a machete and chop my own hands off. Yeah. Because um, there's no way would I ever put anything like that through something, you know, it, it, because it's not, um, shall we say, firearm grade steel. You know, Absolutely. to be able to take a, take an explosion. And and we um, pick the grade of alloys on yeah. purpose so that it can't last a twenty thousand psi burst of pressure. It will shatter right. into a million pieces. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's right. So, um, yeah, a lot of it you can easily tell. You know, the magazine, uh, the safeties are only on on one side, not dual sides. Um, you know, the the, the the tips of them. You, you, I can see, as I say, with the Colt, you can obviously tell it's a job bar. So you can see the barrel coming. You know, it's inside the um, flash suppressor. 
um, it's all those sort of things. So, um, yeah, I just found it. I, I just laugh at saying then um, a, lot, a lot of the stuff, they hadn't done their homework on it, that's for sure. I think you said that no. they cost about 100 bucks too or something offhand like that. $200, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd love to buy a blaster today for $200 that worked. I think uh, my Gen 8, when I originally bought it, they were like $280 when yep. they first came out. Yeah. I don't think I've so, got a blaster for sale in my shop under 500 Not a single blaster for sale under 500 Yeah, I don't think... I think we sold a couple of, like, entry-level blasters. They yeah. were 180 bucks maybe on special. Yeah, you might get like a Vector that, or a Gen 8 or something. Basics. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a Gen yeah, 9 absolutely. at the good day of the week. Yeah, but that's only because they've been out for a number of years, you know. It's uh, nothing new on the market and nothing that isn't obviously a toy yeah. um, will be under $200 price point. I'm just yeah. having a joke. Yeah, like I've got um, two staff that work here as technicians and do R&D and they're sitting there with files and drills and lathes making stuff work here yeah. in Australia. They're not... We're not importing the 653. You can't buy that off a company in China. You have to import a few parts and then build a few locally and then bang it together. There is no such thing. We built 10 of them. You, you can't say that's not an Australian industry at that point. Yeah, that's it. I guess um, I'm in a, in a similar spot, really. Like I was teching here in WA. Um, you know, I was probably doing, you know, 30, 40 blasters a week at one point. Yeah. Um, you know, doing 10, 12, 14, 16 hour days sometimes to pump stuff out, you know, having custom barrels made up, yep. uh, shims, gears, you know, anything I could, sourcing from multiple different suppliers. <laughs> um, you know, just just making stuff work. Yeah. Um, you know, doing custom builds from the ground up basically, just mm. whole bunch of a mismatch of parts. Um you know, and, and away you go. That was that was kind of what I was doing. Um, and they don't just fall together. No. You know, it's hours and hours of work. And that's that's stuff you can't charge a customer either. If no. I spend, you know, if I spend two hours shimming a gearbox because it's just being fussy, um, you know, I can't then charge that on top, you know, for for all the rest of the work. You yeah, know, you I might work eight hours on, on a blaster. Yeah, I might work eight hours on a blaster, but I'll only charge for about four. Yeah. And then you throw your rental fleet at that because you've probably got how many rentals would you have had at the field? Uh, 30, maybe yeah. even more. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've so. got 70. So that's three days a week of text just doing the the weekly yeah. maintenance on what the little kids have ruined over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. That's and, it. Any- like, um, and that's where you get really inventive as a tech, I tell you. Yeah, well, was, that's it. Go on, John. It's like me, if, you know, I, I put that Colt 653 through some some punishment. And you know what? I'm one of these people who's proud to support Australian businesses. So, say, Trav, you, you're locally owned and things like that. And yeah, no dramas. And it was great to, to see that um, innovative um, thing in Australia. Um, yeah. And I say, there should have been more, more support behind you to, um, you know, help keep that manufacturing up uh, look unfortunately with covid lockdowns all over the end of the financial year and what's happened in wa everyone is pardon the pun gun shy 
No one's mm. buying stuff right now because they're afraid that another state will fall. Not yeah, in the way they were buying it two months ago, that's for sure. Yeah, as I say, when when a, when a lot of them came out, you know, blasters all over the place, there was such a huge demand for it. Mm. Um, and, and what's disappointing now is that it's it's people's bread and butter that's been taken away, you know. Yes. Uh, I know you have to do it to feed your family and things like that, and, and it's – it's a big loss, like Nat and Dan. They they've they've lost out big time now. You know, it was to feed their families as well. Yep. It's just shocking what it's done to not only to you know um, financially, but the community as well. It, it, it's destroyed so much that they don't realise it's not just WA they've destroyed. No, I, I put my personal cost at about thirty grand at, at the the way that WA has worked to to affect my business. There's about a thirty grand loss last financial year alone without whatever it is going to be this year because it's just a dead stop. Yeah, yeah. that's it. And, and like, it's such, um, such a shame. And like Dan, he can't repurpose and become a paintball field tomorrow and keep the goodwill and all the stuff that you work for in a business that gives a business value is gone for you, I'd, I'd imagine. You, you couldn't sell Perth Jeep. Like if you were the primary owner and you could sell it tomorrow, you couldn't sell it for a dollar. No, look, you know, and I, I don't think we could, to be honest. There is thousands, and obviously yeah. you'll know, Travis, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of hours in yeah. there, you know, just doing random miscellaneous stuff, um, you know, to, to make it a complete experience for people. Yeah. You know, um, we in the, in the middle of, like, January here in Perth, 45-degree heat, um, sitting there on a welder and grinder and drill press, making these modular frames for our, our indoor venue so we could, you know, break down the buildings and move them around and change them for people so the layout didn't get yep. boring. Yep. You know, although there's probably only like $2,500 worth of parts in there, um, you know, we're, you know, 45 degree heat for three weeks straight, yep. you know, pumping these frames out and now they're useless. Can't, can't do anything with what, them. What you are you going to do? Ship them to Queensland? Of the house. Yeah. They're not even <laughs> yeah. worth the scrap metal value. No, it's not, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's just all that all that stuff. The, the monetary value is not really uh, what matters. You can always make more money. It's just the, the time the the time spent. Yeah, that's it. You're never going to get that back. No. And, and I think it was very arrogant the way he said that just go somewhere else. You picked a bad hobby. The, the thing that sort of really knocked me up is, well, these things were illegal already. If they were illegal, if that's what the police minister truly believed, why do you have to write new laws? Why didn't they do something about this four years ago? Uh, well, the, the Department of Home Affairs, um, they deem them a toy. Um, you know, they, they deem them as a, you know, just a, a toy. Yep. Not a replica, I think just a toy gun. That's all they were deemed as, you know, and that's that was the understanding and the, the whole premise and will uh in which Perth GBG was built on. Yep. Um that was that was the premise that we went off of. Um and yeah, it was you know, a thriving business, I guess. Yep. Um up until, you know, uh up until that point. Yep. In twenty sixteen I was selling gel blasters, like the first generation of them, that fired 13 mil yep. gel balls and nerf darts at the same time. If I sold that into South Australia now, that would be a firearm. 
if I even send that to WA, it's a prohibited firearm. It cost me $4 from China. How, how can that be right? Common sense has gone out the window, hasn't it, with, yeah. with society this day, these day and age? And, and don't, don't get me wrong. I don't want the average person to have access to a real AR-15. I don't want a criminal to have easy access to something that he can, he can mentally or give physical, physical fear or anguish to a person. But that same criminal can walk into a disposal store in WA tomorrow, buy a Denix AK-47 that looks just as real as any gel blaster, if not more, and walk out with no checks or balances. Yeah, it's... Um yeah, it's completely stupid. The rule doesn't encompass any of the other variables. It's a very narrow, uh, very narrow approach. You know, obviously uh, yourself and John coming from a military background, you know what a narrow and naive approach gets you. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, um, it's completely ridiculous. But, you know, coming from uh, my standpoint anyway, I just don't understand why we're so afraid of a particular object. You know, what happened to actually you know, being afraid of that particular person's intent. You know, a carpenter carries a hammer around all day, uses it to, to build houses and put roofs over people's head. Um, but, you know, a, a dude walks into into a, uh, a petrol station with a hammer you, and all of a sudden you're, you're afraid of a hammer. Yep. And their discussions the person we had, wielding it. Their discussions we had with Mark Ryan and QPS and all those guys at the time here, it was we get that these things can be used wrong and we want to empower the police to take the right action when somebody uses these with malicious intent. We totally support that as a community and we'll stand behind any law that you put up. And I think that changed some of the police's minds in that we weren't gun nuts. We just wanted to play with our toys and we didn't want dickheads to be douche canoes with them. Yeah, I just, um, from what from what I can see anyway, it just seems that the police, that this is a PR, a PR stunt to cover their own ass just in case they do shoot somebody with a gel blaster. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's what it looks like to me anyway. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, um, this is, this is the, the, there's been really no thought process through this, no consultation uh, with, with any of the industries that are involved. And it's just been a blatant ban. We'll stop this here. Um, but as I say, it's 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 had the reverse effect. You've now put it in people's hands that you don't want it in. Yeah, I I think your government needs to be reminded how many people own a blaster by those people sending an email to Minister Paplia and saying, "Hey, I'm one of these people. I own five blasters." you've cost me a couple of thousand dollars. And I would love for tomorrow, after this podcast goes out, for his inbox to frigging explode with his constituents talking about what he has done to them in a negative way. Without being rude, without being condescending, just putting the facts to the minister and saying, this is the human cost of what you've done. You've totally not been given the right advice by your underlings about the reality of how many gel blasters are in WA. We're That's talking it, millions the, of dollars. And, and the community was open to um, ha- have a chat. No yep. dramas, you know. Dan and, and, and Nat and myself, um, 
you know, other members of the community would have quite happily gone there and, you know, had a one-on-one and explained and taken them down to the fields and showed how, how it was all run and things like that in a controlled environment. You know? yeah, and I'm sure if they said, all right, well, well, we'll limit this to people at clubs and people that are a member of this, you guys would have worked through that. Yeah, no dramas. We would have had that con- consultation, you know. Um, uh, Dan would have been been there as a, you know, a subject matter ex- expert and could have told them how the actual damn things work because I guarantee they have no idea how they work. No. Um, no. But you, we, we would have had proof there to say, we'll take you step by step how a gel blaster works, how it's used properly on a field, how it's managed in a in a um, controlled environment, and the education that we give people like you guys do with the uh, the safety campaign, the yep. stop and think campaign that you guys had over there. Yeah, um, and you guys have got similar. your own local flavoured one too. Yeah, they. Um, I think the airsoft guys had um, their one that they brought out. Um, we we used to tell everyone keep them in cases and things like that. You know, when you're in the yeah. safe zones, there was always a referee or a senior member that would stand at the edge of the field when yes. you come into the safe zone and go, you know, people would walk in and go, hey, guys, just take your magazines out, clear your blasters, yes. take your magazines out, clear your blasters. It was yeah. a controlled environment. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Very crude way, you know. The first thing, the easiest way to get it get it through with a bloke is, you know, treat it like your, uh, your third leg, treat it like your dick. Yep. Don't go waving it around in public. Keep it zipped up. Yep. You know, very, very basic, um, basic way of doing it. But that's that's kind of what worked. So, yep. Um, yeah, it's just completely punishing the wrong people, and they don't care. Has the minister's office reached out to you in any personal way, Dan, to try and no, have a discussion? So I've um, I've had correspondence from a, a number of MPs, um, but it's all the same cookie cutter. Uh, style emails or responses. It's all yep. just stating basic transcript from from the press conference. Um, this is the party line, just, and we're telling it. Yeah, pretty much. Just taking a wide berth. Um, I know. I know for a fact that you know I've had a couple of of off the off the books discussions uh, with some of the MPs, um, and they know it looks stupid. Um, but you know, if they stand up and say anything, they're out. You know, they're only worrying about themselves. So. Well, they, um, they need to be reminded that they're there by the grace of the voters. Yeah, that's the problem now is that people uh, don't seem to stand up as strong and uh, as they used to, I guess. So um, yep. they're just getting – we're just allowing them to, to run amok, really. Yep. <sighs> I'm just so frustrated on behalf of you guys. Yeah, that's it. Um you know, it's it's particularly frustrating when you know you're trying to provide uh, answers to the community and, and just provide some information. And you know, the people that are, are putting this legislation into law um, don't have a single clue. You know, yeah. I, I spoke to the the acting senior sergeant of the firearms branch that is supposed to be defining what a gel blaster is uh, for this new legislation. He had no clue, no idea. You ask him, okay, well, cool. Is this law going to encompass spare parts, uh, mm. i.e., you know, your your non normally would be a non-registrable item uh, for a firearm, say a stock or a grip or something, etc., which you know yep. you can import freely because um, they're not a restricted item here in Western Australia. But you know, they just seem to, you know, just seem to look at a gel blaster as a whole. So yeah, 
you know, it's yeah, it's uh, it's it's really frustrating. And even to consider that the projectile itself, the gel ball, is illegal now as a, a prohibited item. Um, you know, does that suddenly mean that uh, all your Orbeez uh, and your garden hydration gels and stuff like which are sold at your your local nurseries and your Bunnings and stuff like are they now illegal or yep. can you just get your gel balls and take them out of their packet and put it in a Ziploc bag and write Orbeez on it and now they're legal again? You know, yep. where does it where does it start and stop? I, I think one thing that they fail to understand is the court case with Peter Clark in 2017 whilst it was held in a magistrate's court in Queensland, it was a federal department that the ruling was made against. It was not a state department. So that's when ABF changed what they did. They didn't love it. I tell you that much. They didn't love it. And they're still fighting other guys. I had stuff seized a few weeks before that, and I only got that back this year. I I literally got Terminators returned to me this year. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and they said you should be able to sell them at full market value and make your money back and i said no you need to pay compensation and they said we'll give you 900 dollars for that container oh really for, for yeah, terminators. You, were, uh, you were you were lucky uh earlier oh god not even last year the year before nat had a uh a shipment of of gen 8 magazine seized uh, and vector mags and uh, the old Scorpion Evo mags seized, yep. um, you know, and we only got them back a couple of months ago. Yeah, well, these took four you know, years to come back to me. Yeah. Four years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, um, mate, they, they work pretty slow when they want to be. Yeah. And they want to. What can we do? Man. Yeah, well, there, I think there is plenty of stuff we can do, but everyone's got to push together. Yep. So, uh, so members of the WA got- community, get a meeting with your local member. Don't write them an email. Don't write them a letter. Ask for a meeting and talk to the guy or the girl. Look them in the eye and say, you're doing the wrong thing by your constituents. 100% Absolutely. agree there. And, and and the veteran community, guys, uh, we know how much this benefits us. Um, same thing. Jump on there. Get on the phones. Rock up in person. Tell them what this actually means to us as a community. Yep. And, uh, you know, the, the benefits for it, how, how much it, it, it helps us. Yep. And, um, you know, by, by taking this away, it, it, it's put people back at square one, you know. It, yep. it, it's got them locked up in their homes again and things like that. Um, as you say, it's now going to create more more issues for hospitals, lifelines, uh, you know, when, when this was actually doing a lot of good for mental health for the, yep. for the veteran and uh, community and the like. Let, let's remind the government when we talk to them what it's going to cost them to replace what we do because – that's going to come out of their next budget. Millions yeah, of right. dollars of flow-on effect to their budgets that they're going to lose money out of because of these people returning to ground zero. Yep, that's it. So you're going to have all yeah. the ones that had social disorders, um, things like that, you know, uh, panic attacks. Um, and we, we had guys, you know, that they were too scared to leave their homes or something like that, but they'd come along with a friend, yep. meet another whole group of people, 
who didn't even know their backgrounds, didn't even know whatever their issues were, but accepted them for who they were. Cool. Another challenge yeah. to the WA people, get on Instagram, Facebook, do a video and tell your blaster story. Hashtag your blaster mm. story. Tell the world how blasters improved your life. Hashtag it, get it trending. Yeah, that's um, that's actually a really good idea. Thanks, Travis. Just um, quickly on the on the note of mental health, uh, we haven't made it public just yet, but we uh, received a really sad email um, this week uh, from one of our, our members asking for his friend's uh, membership card. So we printed, uh, obviously, if you were to sign up as a member of Perth GBG uh, for the for the year, you'd receive a membership card. Um, and uh, this gentleman was asking for his friend's membership card because, unfortunately, his friend uh, passed late last week uh, from um, a suicide uh, attempt. So, unfortunately, I, I won't mention any names, but yep. uh, to the people that are listening and you know who that person is, obviously, uh, we, we pass our deepest condolences. Um, and if there's anything you need, please come and see us. Yep. Yeah, for those in the, the veteran community, if you're struggling as a result of this, uh, call Wounded Heroes. We, we stand by ready to help. We've got money in our pockets ready to get you out of crisis any way that we can. We are a national organisation and we will help you in a way that some organisations can't. We can do it in 10 minutes. Don't be alone. We had a veteran die last week here in Wakehole that was a friend of Wounded Heroes and um, they were afraid to talk. So don't be afraid to talk to your mates. That's it. My, my, as everyone knows, my door's always open. Um, uh, from my own personal experience, only six weeks ago, um, I was out in sight and I had a young man try overdose, um, having issues at home and things like that. Um, so, guys, those we all talk about mental health. Please don't be afraid to step up and say, I need help. It's not nothing to be ashamed of. I've been there myself. Um, please stick your hand up. I'd rather spend 10 minutes, an hour, however long it takes having a conversation with you yep. than reading about your obituary in the paper. Yeah, it ain't weak to speak. 100%, mate, 100%. Yeah. Um, look, guys, I, I wish you all the best, and if there is anything we can do, just reach out to us and I'll get on the bongo drums. Anytime you want to come back on and give the community an upgrade, absolutely happy to have you on board for 10 minutes or 10 hours. Um, anything we can do over East, we're your brothers too. Awesome. Thanks, Travis. Thanks for having us, mate. No worries. So um, hopefully that uh, container will get here to wake all very soon and um, you'll be able to help some people out with um, keeping that in storage until the situation's improved. Yeah, thank, thanks for the help, mate. As I say, it was only a, a quick phone call. Yep. And um, if that, and, you know, the, the as I keep harping on, the veteran community, we reach out. We're all brothers. And yep. um, you, you stuck your hand straight up and said, I'll help you out. No drummers. And, and, and you know, I, I really appreciate that. The community appreciates that. Yep. On behalf of Perth GBG, thank you very much um, for helping us. Um, as I say, hopefully we can get this overturned and... Um, we can start playing again. Otherwise, um, looks like we'll all be coming to um, maybe Queensland and play a game with you lot. Mate, we've got 33 acres. Anytime you guys want to come here, you've got a free campsite.
No worries. I'll, I'll hold you to that Sounds now. We'll like have a plan. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring all the Perth teams with us. Eh? We'll have some fun. You can have yeah. an East versus West. Let's do it. Parabellum four, <laughs> East versus West. That's it. That sounds That's it. good. I'm down for that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, your blasters are over here. We'll get them serviced for you and ready to play with. That sounds That's good. It. Teach you a lesson. Teach yeah. you how to play over in the West. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll bring the battle group West over, eh? Right, eh? That, yeah, that's that, it. That's a promise. <laughs> Righto, guys. So thanks for being on the podcast. Obviously, it's been a fairly emotional time for you guys. Really appreciate your ability to talk frankly about what's going on over there. Obviously, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about this stuff too because um, I just see an injustice. And I hope the rest of the community does too. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, it's it's definitely making its way around. So, um, you know, the, my family's worked very heavily in mental health and disorders for a long time. You know, uh, my mother in particular, she she juggles, you know, quite a lot of, of government uh, grants, etc. You know, and she came down. I was very lucky that she was able to make it down to her last CQB game. Yep. Um, and kind of saw saw the good work, you know, that w- was done. So, you know, she asked uh, a few mental health organisations to come down and at least try and speak to people or, or let people know that their their services are available whenever they need them. Yep. Um, and they flat out refused. So, uh, I think she'll be reevaluating some of her some of her budgets. Yep. Uh, come next financial year. Uh, if you're a veteran, call Wounded Heroes. Call Open Arms. Call DVA. But call someone. That's it. All right. So uh, this has been the Joel Ball Podcast. Thanks for being on, John. No worries. Thanks for having us. Thanks Travis. for being on, Daniel. To, uh, have a chat. And um, thanks, Travis. After we uh, get off here, give us some links to drop in the show notes so people can donate to your GoFundMe and all that sort of stuff, and um, reshare it over WA so that all you guys over there know that um, we're in it with you. Sounds like a plan we will do. I'll send you those links ASAP. All right. This has been the Gel Ball Podcast. I've been Tractor. Rock on. This podcast was brought to you by a bunch of guys that have paid for a container to go to WA, get filled up with all the WA blasters and come back here to Queensland where they'll be in safe hands. So if you want to reach out to those guys, they're silent people in the community and they've done it out of their heart's will. So this this uh, episode's for you.